0: welcome to the Bull Banter Podcast. It's Blake Sims here on board with Daniel. How are you today Dan? I'm ready to go. Um, eager to talk about the
1: recent match here against Newcastle and look forward to our uh, upcoming game at the end of the month against Sydney FC. Yeah
0: it's a little bit of time between drinks. We got the week off and um, you know it's probably good for our boys. We did look a little bit uh, dogged at the end of that game. Um, we got the week off. We're going to be back up against likely uh, title contender, Sydney FC back at home at the end of the month. I think it'll be good for the boys just to rest their legs and to get those connections going a bit better. Um, what did you make of our round four match against the jets? Um, yeah,
1: I thought we had a superb, uh, first half, obviously followed by probably the worst we've played this season in the second half. Um, in my opinion, um, it was exciting to see Genro step back into um, central midfield with uh, Ben Yat there. Um, he did look like another outlet to drive the ball through the midfield. Um, what did you sort of think of him stepping back into that deeper role?
0: Yeah, it was good. He was tidy. Um, I think he, he's obviously a good creative player. He's good with the ball at his feet and he feels comfortable on the ball, which is kind of what you want Um from a player there. But I think because we didn't have Milligan in midfield, he'd step back into centre-back to cover for Jovanovic, who was um, unavailable. I think we missed a player who can really break up the opposition attacks. And I think that definitely um, showed in the second half when we had maybe a bit of fatigue um, and we didn't have that player who can just, you know, dominate a midfield, can control things with, uh, not just with the ball at their feet, but when the, the ball's not at our feet, I think we lost our way there and you could see it with the transition that Newcastle were able to put onto us. We were under the pump for a while. Um, but in saying that, it was uh, it was good to see. I think that can be a good position for him, especially if we want to get more out of uh, Loic Puyo. And speaking of Loic Puyo, what a bloody goal that was. I mean, a bit of a fortunate deflection um, on the cross, but man, he, his adjustment and just, you know, the absolute instinct of that finish was just sublime.
1: Yeah, um, definitely some superb acrobatics from the Frenchman there to um, manage to get something on that, let alone a little bike in there. Um, But I guess going back to um, the absence of Milligan in the midfield there, um, Newcastle's two best chances of the half with the uh, disallowed goal and then them um, getting that. Uh, their first goal on half time. There, um, those two chances for Newcastle did come from uh, losing the ball in the midfield through an, a wayward pass, and then just not having that um, deep lying uh, defender
0: there in the mids to yeah. really just clean up shop. Yeah, you can definitely tell that. Um, you know, in training we've got Milligan as that centre pivot, um, that that kind of anchor man, the person that will just maintain the flow of possession keep us ticking over and i think yeah we we did lose our way in that second half so hopefully he can come back up into the mids um and just yeah be our, our midfield general there and i will also add to that just the way milligan usually
1: adopts that role in the mids he'll tuck in between the two center backs anyway, anyway
0: yeah, allowing to receive the ball
1: allowing meredith and uh Franiage to get forward a bit more but because of that uh Meredith was still able to get forward quite a fair bit as usual, but Franich had to take a bit more of a reserves role in the game. He wasn't able to get as forward as he probably would have liked um, yeah. just
0: to ensure that we didn't have two on three at the back always. So Yeah. Cause they were certainly pressing us. I mean, it's a, uh, it's easy to look at, uh, you know, our first half and then compare it to the second half and say, well, wow, how did that happen? Where did that come from? Um, I think, we, we stopped playing our game, didn't we? Uh, we possessed it well for the first 20 to, you know, 25 minutes. We got up a couple of goals and it was like we sort of took our foot off the accelerator. Um, we weren't as going forward with the ball. We, we actually, uh, you know, in that first half when we were playing well, we looked a lot um, more dangerous going forward than we have in previous games. We weren't just doing these negative passes sideways, backwards. We were actually looking forward earlier and, um, you know, catching the team out. There were some lovely uh, little one-twos and, um, you know, third-man runs, especially with Meredith getting down that left side and it opened up Newcastle quite a few times. But as soon as we were up, it was almost like Milligan said, right, boys, and, and, and Milicic, I don't know if he had anything to do with it. Maybe it was a coach's call. Maybe it was just the team thinking, oh, well, I think we're up and we can just sit on this. But we stopped playing the way we should be playing. We stopped playing our possession football. And um, it, it nearly, very nearly cost us the win. Because, you know, we're not a team that's going to sit back and absorb pressure in the same ilk as a Central Coast because, really, the only forward outlet we've got for that counter-attack is Lockie Rose. And, um, you know, Newcastle snuffed that out pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. um, There was a momentary lapse, I would say, in the first half there after getting that early goal. But I suppose when a goal does come that early and sort of unexpectedly, you sort of i like, ah, oh, our job's done for the 90 here. But we were able to sort of bring it back in the first half there.
0: Um, although the second half is a different story for the 45 minutes. I guess the the lesson of that game is just that you can't afford to switch off at all. And, um, you know, hopefully we learn the lesson before it actually costs us any points. Um, I wanted to touch on our defense a bit as well, because, um, you know, with Jovanovic not there, um, it looked as though we were more susceptible to counterattacks. Now it's not like we haven't been um, we haven't been the most brilliant side defensively in shutting down transition, but we looked especially open on the weekend. Um, part of that that I, I identified was um Sushnia. I think sometimes he was just caught sleeping, you know, sometimes he would think the ball's about to go over the line and like sort of already have his hand up you know, going, oh, it's going to be our throw before it's actually out. Uh, Nazarene made him look foolish a couple of times. Um, I think it's maybe part and parcel with how we set up defensively or, you know, how, how we set up in our possession game and then going in back into defence because we often have <coughs> Meredith and, and Frenic pushed up, but especially Meredith. And usually you would look at Sushniar, he plays on the left-hand side. So he's got a lot of um, responsibility when Meredith's left up the, up the park he often gets dragged out wide and I think that's an uncomfortable space for him. He's not the quickest bloke. He's much more comfortable in that middle fighting for balls, you know, the uh, aerial duels and the the rough challenges in there. And I think, um, yeah, he just, he looked out of place there at times on the weekend.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. Like you said, there was a few times where he was just sort of caught a step behind the play, and it, could have been very costly for us there was one there where O'Donovan for newcastle got put through on halfway and it just looked like newcastle was just going to run away one-on-one with federici but yeah, we're quite lucky that O'Donovan's not yeah. the quickest yeah so Sushna definitely looked rapid against him um <laughs> but uh i thought Sushna didn't have too bad of a game but there were those few moments, um, like you said, like on the sideline with Najarine, I think it was, he was trying to shield the ball out and he
0: just knocked it around him and then kept running. I yeah. think that led to the goal, actually. Yeah. The first half there. Yeah. Or, or a new chance. Actually, no, it was the um, the one that got... Disallowed. Disallowed through the air. Yeah. 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 So, but very like, very easily could have gone the other way. I mean, we looked shocking in that um, passage because, you know, no one was expecting Sushnia who had sort of the better position on the ball to let Nazarene sneak in and just get around him. And then it was a, you know, it was an over overload. We did rally pretty well um, to get numbers back in the box, but then it was just ball watching. It was static. It was not, you know, it was reactive rather than proactive defending. And um, you know, we can't, we can't afford to get caught in those sort of positions against better sides. Yeah. And
1: if Newcastle were any better in the, Final third there with their finishing and decision making, it definitely would have been a goal because um, it was a bit hectic. Like they did about ten passes or something in the box when it should have just
0: been one or two, and then a shot. Yeah, but... I mean that's that's pretty unacceptable from from our point of view. You can't just let a team have possession in your own box. That's just asking for trouble. Um, another reason I think for the you know defensive frailties is the turnovers in midfield. Um, who do you think was the main sort of culprit there? Um, I think we saw
1: it pop up time and time again from genre um, Just a, f- a fair few times there was just these simple side passes to Bernat or whoever going across the midfield and they'd just be mishit. Um whether or not that was due to the pressure he was under from the Newcastle players, because they were definitely putting it on us. Um, there was a couple here and there from Ben Yad as well. Um, but it's sort of just lost momentum in the mids compared to what we were seeing early doors, where we were knocking it around nicely. looks like we had plenty of time to um, lay it on in the first half and definitely the whole second half. It just looked like we couldn't get a sniff and we were just misplacing these simple passes that you would expect these sort
0: of players to be able to uh, deal with pretty easily. Yeah. I think the fatigue factor definitely comes in. Um, But uh, as well as the fatigue factor, it's the, you know, the idea of not having gelled with certain players yet. They've, it it looks very obvious to me that, um, you know, Milligan's that midfield general and he's the one who's calling the shots even over the likes of Benyat and Suseda and Puyo, uh, he's the one driving us forward and and calling the passes. Um, And with him not in the midfield, you can easily see that, you know, it it was probably a last minute decision because Jovanovic came off, you know, 60 minutes into the Wellington game with a, you know, a head issue. And obviously they've looked at him and said, oh, you know, for concussion protocols or, you know, look after that, we'll give him a rest for this week. Um, So I, I think it was... Probably right up to the last moment, that um, you know they probably weren't training throughout the week with genre and Benyat in the deeper part of midfield. They probably intended initially to have Milligan in there, and um, I think that sort of showed when when in the second half people got a bit more tired that um, the combinations just went went to Cactus because there's not that sort of innate understanding. You need that time together. You need to be you know under fatigue um, and and working together to have that sort of. Cohesion um, that we're just lacking at the moment, and you're going to cop that every now and then. But we've got to be better. You um, have to say yeah. It. Um, yeah,
1: Milligan in that defensive midfielder role is very tidy. Like if you see yeah, him play, he yeah no he he'll just demand the ball and move it fast, like one touch or two touch. It doesn't play around with it, and he's not going to turn over the ball on those simple side-to-side passes like we saw a few times with
0: uh, Ben Yad and um, Jean Rowe. Yeah, I mean, that's his game. And you can see exactly why Milicic handed him the captain's armband. He just... He, he's, he's the midfield general. He's, uh, you know, calling the shots there for sure. And we know, you know, even though he, he played in centre defence um, against Newcastle and he's played in centre-back at, at times filled in there uh, for Australia, I still don't think that's his ideal position. Um, He's certainly not quick enough to, uh, you know, match the pace of someone like a Valentino Yule. And I think he definitely struggled there. Um, You know, a couple of fouls could have gone the other way in terms of, um, you know, he didn't really cop, he didn't cop the cards that I think he maybe should have. And, um, you know, a couple of really uh, guilt edged opportunities that Newcastle got or that we were just able to snuff out by getting, you know, a toe to the ball or a, a really desperate lunge back in defense, um, which Milligan did quite well, but um, yeah, against better sides, we we're not gonna we're not gonna succeed if we have Mark Milligan at centre back because he'll just be exposed with the the pace that other attackers will have.
1: Yeah, um, did you want to delve into the second half maybe a bit more? Just because um, obviously it was a vast difference from the way we intend to play there.
0: Um, what were your thoughts on it? Well, before we jump into that, I think we should also quickly mention Matt Derbyshire got off the mark as well, which was a, uh, a brilliant moment. I mean, a simple sort of goal, but, you know, you need any any way it goes in is, is good for the team. Um, Puyo put the ball on a, on a sixpence for him and he just nodded in at that near post, um, you know, rising above the pack. You can tell that that's how his goals are going to come this year. Um, he's very, very good in the air. Um, he nearly showed that at Wellington, uh, against Wellington, sorry, when um, you know, there was that late opportunity that hit the crossbar. Um, so if we can get that more of that, um, you know, good service to him, um, he's going to do damage. And um, I did want to pick up on the idea that, you know, Lockie Rose, he's been, he had a quieter game. Um, I think maybe the, the league starting into fi- starting to figure him out. Um, I'm not saying he's a one dimensional player, but you know, when he does have the ball, he's just going to be going at the defense and trying to beat a player and swinging across or, Uh, cut inside for a shot Um, he doesn't necessarily have all the elements of the game that you want him to have just yet and I think um, you know at least from what I can see so far he's kind of struggling to link up with Derbyshire Um, I haven't seen too many crosses that Rose has put in that Derbyshire's gotten on the end of Um, what are your thoughts about that yeah
1: Um, yeah, again just going back to Derbyshire um, obviously a Nice, powerful header of Puyos cross there. He could have easily had a second uh, right on half time there, but it was a bit unfortunate. Yeah, whether true. or not it was a bit of a deflection there, but unlucky to hit the post from that close, anyways. Um, but yeah, uh, Rose and Derbyshire. We don't really see too many um, crosses, I guess, coming from Rose on that side. Um, he does get defenders on the back foot. And sort of, he. I think against Newcastle, he did tend to more run at someone and then find a pass inside rather than take it down the byline and whip something in on his left. Yeah. Um, but that seems to be too valuable for us at the moment because um, it definitely buys us that extra meter or so of space.
0: Well, he's an he outlet, has, isn't he? Yeah. Um, there's no other player like him in the side, like. You would say maybe Susayeta could do it, but he seems to be more of that uh, drop deep and receive the ball at feet, do something technical, play a quick one-two, you know, be tidy with the passing, whereas, um, you know, Lockie Rose is just full-blooded, go forward every single time, Um, which, you know, maybe defenders can start to realise. And, um, you know, to to be honest, sometimes he looked a bit isolated, um, especially when, you know, if Federici got the ball at the back, he would release it long for Lockie. And if a defender was awake to it, it was easily shut down. Um, so we can't be doing that every time. He needs to maybe add a bit more to his game. There are a bit of difference um, because I think, you know, he's starting to be figured out. Um, but you'd wanted to talk about the second half. And um, what I picked up from it was because we stopped playing our game and because we didn't necessarily have the same go forward, I think there was a lack of willing runners off the ball especially since Rose went off. Um, And that led to us passing sideways backwards and getting into, um, you know, sloppy situations where, um, you know, Newcastle pressed us at the right time and we didn't necessarily have the movement off the ball. So it was just, it was going nowhere and eventually we'd give the ball away, which led to often uh, counterattacks and transition moments from Newcastle. So what that led to again was, uh, genre, Societa, and Benyat just trying to win fouls because what else can they do? They're not going to hit Derbyshire long through ball, um, you know, to get around top or Stanley and uh, Bogard because he's not got the legs. And again, in the air, despite how good Matt Derbyshire is, if you're just going straight up to him and he's got two on him, he's never gonna be able to hold it up for us every single time. Um, and that that's not really our game anyway to go long. So I think yeah. we just dug
1: ourselves a hole, didn't we? Yeah, there's definitely a lack of urgency from the off in the second half there. Um, Rose of course didn't come off until the 60th minute but even then he definitely was nowhere near as lively as he was in the first half for those uh, 15 minutes. Um, But yeah, it's just like we made it easy for Newcastle to press us I think. They obviously were putting the effort in and had the better of the game in the second half but it just seems like we were always on the back foot when receiving the ball and someone was just always on us. Um, yeah,
0: you can definitely tell that we weren't moving the ball as quick as we should. Um, it was there was never – I don't think I saw a time when we passed the ball to someone and they immediately knew, I'm going here now. Um, it was always receive the ball, look up, where am I going next, thinking, shit, like, you know, what am I going to do? have got no one, yeah. Yeah, they've pretty much got no one because we didn't have that off-the-ball movement. Um, and know, then it, was, it was very static. It seemed
1: after that wasn't working, then we just started to go long. Um, yeah, we parked the bus. And,
0: yeah. And, and that's it's, not our game at all.
1: And it's not like we were going long. We're, well, it looked like we were trying to attempt to pass the Derbyshire, but they were so, so wayward most of the time. Yeah, and he was so, so isolated up there. I, we were winning... Winning those fouls, like you said, with Genro and Susayeta, just managing to somehow win, win away with foul here or there, but then we weren't playing it short to keep possession. We were just pumping it up the field, and some of the free kicks we had were pretty dreadful.
0: Like we just yeah. immediately it like, put it down like, their throat. It, it was good in terms of a time waste, but like to put it yeah. bluntly, against a Newcastle side that should be getting a wooden spoon this year, eking out a 2-1 when yeah. we're under the pump for a whole second half it's not what you want. Um, I'm yet to see us put in a full 90 minutes playing our game this year. Uh, you know, you could say maybe against Central Coast we did, um, but it didn't really lead to results. And I just don't think maybe we're not at 90 minutes fitness yet, but how many weeks in a, in a row are we going to say that? Um, you know, it's a bit concerning to be honest. Um, so we're looking forward to sort, sort of a big response uh, in terms of the, the performance against Sydney FC. So hopefully, you know, the the week's rest does them good and they can come out firing out of the blocks. I think Uh, we're still
1: a few weeks off of sort of getting to that 90-minute sort of consistent level of play. Um, If you've been watching the EPL, just to sort of compare it to something, uh, Man United, obviously, at the start of the season, we're looking pretty shambolic and off off the pace but they obviously had that shortened preseason and then now they've just sort of started to come into their stride so it does take time obviously to get to that level of match fitness where you're playing the way you want to play for 490 but it'll come hopefully sooner rather than later um, like you say
0: yeah yeah and you just I mean you, you look at the the way we escaped that one uh, right at the end, pretty much the last kick of the game, with like a, a stuffed up clearance that smacked into his hand. Um, you know, oh, by, yeah. by the letter of the law, it's not a penalty because it's in the box. But you know, you see that happen in, on mid, in midfield, and like you know, he'd yeah. be screaming if that wasn't given, uh, let alone in the box. So I feel I do feel for the Newcastle Jets supporters. Um, I'm really glad that it it, it was fortunate to us. Um, because you know the the rule the rule of it is um, that you know even if it if it comes off your foot and your hands in a natural position then it's still play on um, which mm. it just happened to be but um, you know I don't think necessarily I'd, if if I was on the other side of things I, I would be livid you know a, a defender has mishit the clearance smacked it with his hand basically played basketball and um, you know gotten away with one. So it's it's a concern. But, you know, we were very lucky. It seems we've been fortunate enough to be on the right
1: side of VAR. uh, A few times. Yeah, more than a few times. So I think surely next game or sometime soon it's got
0: to come back to bite us. Uh, It's a bit weird. I've been seeing online um, quite a few people, you know, Sydney FC used to have the moniker of FFA FC because, you know, the idea was that they just get all the... uh, Calls for them and and none of the you know blatant ones going against them, like the uh, FFA had a sort of soft spot for Sydney and wanting to keep them up top as the main uh, team in the league. But maybe we've gotten we've, we've inherited that luck, perhaps. Uh, maybe well, maybe uh, as an extension side, wait, they yeah. they really want us to be successful and they're just giving yeah, us yeah. giving us wins. But, but no, in all seriousness, we were very lucky with that one, and um, I think we really missed Jovanovich. He looks like the calmest defender we have. Um, you know, he, yeah. he looks to really settle things at the back, composure there. Um, he's not the quickest and, you know, but he, he, he will settle things down for us. He wins all the headers I've ever seen him go up against another player and he's gotten, the, he's to the ball um, and, you know, he's, he's good at that sort of uh, combativeness in in that centre back there. So um, I think we really will we've missed him and we really will need him firing when we come up against Sydney. Um, wanted to sort of press forward looking, you know, at, at some different things instead of the jets game. Um, a few issues came up in midweek with the um, supposed price gouging that we have for the Sydney game. Now our team, our, our club has, uh, you know, set their prices for the uh, fans, both home and away at, I would say quite an exorbitant rate. Um, so it's for non-members, the cheapest adult ticket is $45. And if you're traveling for active away support, you have to pay 50 bucks. Now we have to give the caveat of, um, you know, there is only 4,000 seats available at Campbell stadium, uh, because of the COVID restrictions. And that lasts at least until the end of January, you know, with, like considering all of the other possibilities of maybe there could be another outbreak between now and then. We just don't know. Um, But for now it looks like that's going to be the last day that there's restrictions. Um, And you have to say like the club has made a few missteps. Um, You know, seeing uh, Kislevich came out in the midweek um, in an interview with SBS, the world game. And he said that, um, you know, yeah, they've made some missteps and they've failed to live up to the promises they made before they entered the league so far, but there's growing pains. I mean, um, how often are we going to hear that? Because, you know, we are, you know, about five games into our first season. I know that there's been issues with the bullpen um, being charged the same price as platinum memberships and then having their whole, um, you know, seating arrangements that they pre-selected with the club moved and pulled out from under their feet. And then the club obviously registering the bullpen as like their own sort of business entity so that um you know active supporters can't do any real fundraising under the bullpen banner. It's did they a bit IP of a it. shit, shit they put waste. an IP on it. Yeah. Yeah. So um for instance, like if bullpen members wanted to, you know, make special scarves with that on it, um, they can't do it because it's a intellectual property owned by the club, which is just awful. Um, you know, you you've gotta say it's it's greed. Um I get that, you know, with all the restrictions in place and the club was probably expecting to make more money, um, especially out of the upcoming fixtures against Sydney FC and then the week after against Western Sydney. But, man, like, it's driving people away. You can tell, like, you've got to read the room. Our, uh, our region's not the most affluent. We are a growing region, but you can't be charging, you know, the prices that you'd be charging for a posh rooftop bar in the city when really we're sort of more like a pub. Um, you know, yeah. we, you've got to gotta have a, a, a pricing structure that matches your clientele and that's just not happening so far. I really do worry that, um, you know, with all the promises that were made before the club started up of being sort of this carnival atmosphere, really targeted to sort of being a community club, looking after the youngsters and all that, um, I worry that we're not going to fulfil those promises um, because, yeah, you have to say it's been a bit of price gouging
1: Yeah, I think there's been about three instances um, so far of the um, fans sort of reacting to outrageous pricing. Um, So hopefully the club isn't starting to gain a reputation for um, exorbitant pricing. Um, I had a quick look here because obviously there was a bit of an issue with how... The membership um, the cost of the membership for a full season compared to the likes of Sydney FC yeah. Um, and then I just had a look at Western United's first year when they entered the league obviously COVID ha- has played a bit of an impact on it yeah. um, but Western United came in pretty much tied lowest for the prices that they charge for their membership whereas we've come in and charged more than the the reigning champions
0: of the previous year yeah i mean you look at our squad and we have assembled a really good squad and obviously you know you need money to pay for a good squad but but having said that i mean it seems counterintuitive if you want people to really love this team you've got to get them through the gates you've got to have them there for the moments when we are doing well when we're you know scoring goals and we're we're winning games um because that kind of you know emotional attachment is what keeps people coming back. It's not, um, you know, you don't want people coming there once and going, Oh yeah, that was pretty good, but bloody hell it was expensive. I mean, you know, stadium um, costs for, you know, if you want to have something to eat or something to drink there, you, you expect that because that's just the markup of having a drink or something to eat inside yeah. a stadium, but the prices should be, you know, it should be an incentive for people to get there. Um, and I just worry that, you know, if that sort of thing continues, we're going to have a situation where Campbelltown's more of a, um, you know, a cavern than a cauldron. Um, it really could be something beautiful. We know that this area has a lot of, um, you know, enthusiasm for the world game, but, you know, you're going to lock people out if you don't get them through the gate. Yeah.
1: And it's not like we have a major marquee signing like a Del Piero
0: or like, yeah. we're, we're not, I mean, Benyat's like, up there, but you've got to be a football yeah. head to sort of get around that.
1: Yeah, yeah, like he's your football, your footballer's favourite footballer, no. <laughs> um, but it's not like we have. Like, oh yeah, if we have, I I get what you mean. He's not the kind of guy
0: who's going to go on and score fifteen goals in a season. He's more of a tidy professional, and you know, the football purist would be like, "Oh, I I noticed that touch he did there." Whereas the casual fan who's just rocking up with their kids from Macarthur is probably going to look at him and go, "Oh, he's pretty good at passing. He's can hold possession, but you know, he's not whacking them in." I mean, maybe he'll score a few more free kicks and change our mind, but you know, it's uh, it's 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 one for the football purists. Maybe if we had
1: Ronaldo people would be not complaining about paying $50 because then
0: it makes sense. You're able to charge that much because it's Ronaldo. I mean, we we can dream, but uh, somehow I don't see it happening ever. (laughs) No, no. Yeah.
1: being Ibrahimovic um, when he's 50.
0: It it is unfortunate. I mean, we joke around, but it is really unfortunate. Um, The club has, you have to say, made many, many missteps um, off the field this season, despite the fact that like, you know, we are putting good performances, maybe not great performances, together on the field, but you know in in clubland, it's it's another story. I mean, you go through the list of things. We had the bullpen fiasco. We have, um, you know, the price gouging that's happening now. You have mem- foundation memberships that are being sold on match day because they mm-hmm. don't have our you know actual home jerseys yet. Um, when you know those foundation members were those those jerseys were marketed with the idea that if you were a member a year before the club started that would be your special piece of like i've been here since day one well you know some people could be coming in fourth fifth game and being like oh i love macarthur bulls get me a foundation jersey it doesn't seem right do you think Um, it
1: could be uh obviously there were rumors that the kit supplier had changed apparently well, yeah, um, we were originally going with Stano,
0: which is an Australian company, and then midway through COVID, I think uh, Macron approached us, and they're a good yeah. kit supplier. Yeah, they good. do a lot of it out of uh, Italy. Um, they yeah supply Club Brugge, and they also su- supply um Perf Glory. They do make good kits, but man, like, uh, I think with the quarantine situation, they're not able to get the jerseys as quickly as they wanted, or maybe as many as they wanted, and it's just a. Uh, just a bit of a shit show. Um, even yeah. members who've, who've purchased home jerseys or, or away jerseys have yet to receive them. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real debacle. But do you think it could be, like maybe they went into the season
1: planning to have, because obviously a lot of the fans want these jerseys, the home and away jersey. I want one. Yeah. But if they're not available, maybe they're only raising these prices and sort of trying to penny pinch just to make up for the fact that the merchandise they expected to have just isn't here yet, which is unfortunate, but that's probably the only excuse
0: I could probably gather. Yeah, it's, that. it's an interesting one um, in, in the world game interview that he he gave, he cited the idea of uh, when, when Sydney FC come to play or Western Sydney come to play at our venue, um, the price goes up for like venue costs quite a lot. Um, you know, because it's, it's rated as a a more dangerous fixture by um, whatever security Uh, firm, um, the A-League employees or, um, you know, New South Wales police. And so there is, Uh, you're going to notice more of a police presence, I suppose, and a security presence on match day when those two sides come to play. So um, he did say that, you know, if we only get 4,000 through the gate, which is what we're capped at at the moment, the club actually loses um, 30 to $40,000 every time uh, on, on those sort of match days. So, that's obviously not good, um, but you know you've got to expect getting into the A League, which isn't the most um, you know flush with cash kind of league. If you want to grow it and you want to um, have success down the line, you've got to get as many people in there as you can. You've got to get people. You've got to give people the opportunity to love the club, um, which will then hopefully turn a profit for the owners down the line. You can't get in here expecting profit from day one. It's like any new business. You don't don't expect to make profit within the first couple of years. You've got to be patient and you've got to grow it and you've got to set up things for the future. And I just don't think the club's necessarily going the right way about it. But, um, you know, COVID will definitely have played a role there. And hopefully, I mean, we can talk about it all, all year this year, but, you know, as long as there's COVID restrictions in place, we're not going to see maybe the best match day experience. Um, but hopefully in the future, next season, maybe they change their way of operating because there's maybe more potential to make some money and get some fans through the gates. Yeah. And
1: when it comes down to it, people in Campbell town are more likely to put $50 on a cheeky slap on the pokies rather than use it to watch an
0: A league game. So, yeah, but that's just, that's just how it is at the moment. Yeah, and it, like, you know, there are plenty of good options to be able to watch it from home as well. I mean, the yeah, you, you have to make the match day experience something really memorable and special because getting people out of their house these days is probably one of the hardest things to do. Um, you know, you can watch it on your phone, you can watch it on the telly, on the internet, whatever. Um, and, you know, if, if, if Campbelltown Stadium is not a place full of atmosphere and, um, you know, enthusiasm, you're not going to be able to convince people to fork out their hard earned cash um, to, to give more to the club. They'd rather, they probably support just from, from home, but yeah, you know, we don't want that. We obviously want to have Kemtown stadium being this uh, this lovely little venue that, you know, everyone gets around the team and it's a, it's a place for people to support the bulls, you know, but what can you say? It's a hard time to run a football club. Definitely yeah. Is. So going forward, um, we do have some fixture changes, just looking at um, how things have panned out with, uh, you know, obviously COVID restrictions around Australia. So we do have the Sydney FC fixture, which was initially set for Saturday the 31st of January at 6pm. That's been moved back a day to Saturday the 30th at 7pm. So Saturday night fixture, it's, um, it's going to be nice. Hopefully we get a full house, as much of a full house as we can in there when we play them week after, Saturday the 6th of Feb at 7pm up against Western Sydney Wanderers the Battle of the West Part 2 hopefully we can keep our streak going in that one <clears throat> and then we also play the following Friday 12th of February at 7pm against Adelaide United, um, so there'll be three match days in a row at home at Campbelltown Stadium, hopefully in February they open up the stadium restrictions so that we can get more than 25% of the venue full and then Following on from that, we don't have another home game until we face Melbourne victory on Wednesday, the 7th of April, um, which is a long time between drinks, like February 12th to 7th of April. That's a long time for the locals to go about football. So hopefully, um, you know, if we can get on a good run of games with our home games, uh, the recent ones that are coming up, um, then, you know, people can be invested and then they won't be like, oh, who's this team playing in April? You know, they won't forget about us. Um, but yeah. we do go traveling interstate to face Western United, Perth, Adelaide, and then Melbourne City before we visit Welling- Wellington in Wollongong on Sunday, the 28th of March. So it's nearly a home game, 40 minutes down, um, you know, up road now Newsley, Oosley. And, um, you know, hopefully we can make that Wellington game, that away game, a, a home game with plenty of traveling yeah. support. Well, everyone's second home in Town is Wollongong, so it will be yeah. a home fixture. That's our local beach. You know, we've got to make sure we, uh, <laughs> we show the people of the gong who really owns it. <laughs> All right. Um, anything, any final words from you?
1: Uh, no, I just think uh, hopefully we can perform like we did in the first half against Sydney for a full 90, but um, I think you would expect Sydney to have the better of us.
0: Um, yeah. Prediction wise, how do you see this one going? Obviously, Sydney haven't played they're meant to play tonight against central coast so that'll be an interesting uh matchup because yeah central coast have started quite well despite faltering in in the midweek against western sydney um so yeah how do you see us going against them um
1: yeah i think we'll be lucky to get a draw from this one i probably expect sydney to pick up the full three points here
0: um but uh yeah uh Yeah, I I happen to to agree with you. Um, I think we're probably going to lose this one, maybe one or two nil. Um, Yeah. I think what I really look for in that game is not so much the result, but I want the performance to be strong. I want us to be, um, you know, a team that's really going for it, not, um, you know, sheepishly just holding possession, but I really want us to go for the jugular. We're at home. We need to dominate uh, teams and we need to put, put it to Sydney because if we just shrink back like we did in the second half against the Jets they're going to punish us and yeah. it's going to be ugly um, so I don't want that we need to really come out strong and, and be hungry we need to be hungry yeah. and we could maybe nab a result if we play like we did in the second half they'll put five on us yeah. easily because they are dangerous they only need that one chance um, so yeah it'll be an interesting one I'm really excited so um, yeah apart from that We'll catch you guys next time on the Bull Venture podcast. Make sure you get out to the games uh, that are coming up before the big break. And uh, yeah, go you Bulls. Catch you later.